0: So, gentlemen, I would like your response to this paragraph. The biblical Jesus wants a church that changes the world not from a position of power, but from a position of love and commitment. Christians who follow the cultural Jesus seem to have the idea that if we get enough power, if we get enough people in office, if we can just take over America, we can force Americans to be righteous. Why didn't Jesus think of that? I believe that we have to change the culture with the weapons of the church, spiritual weapons, rather than the weapons of the world. We have another style, another way. It's loving servanthood, it's giving ourselves away, it's moving in and caring, it's loving and redeeming, not destroying. What do you think?
1: You're stepping into something that could (laughs) be a bit of a a minefield. Um, It
0: is. It is a
1: minefield. So, generationally, I've always felt that way, Mm -hmm. and I'd say it. I say generationally because I've never been big into, we'll say, political activism or anything like that, Mm -hmm. from a Christian perspective. One, just because I've not seen a whole lot of, you know, kingdom-minded fruit come out of it. It's more, you know, geared towards politics and taking back America or something like that. But, um, you know, it's just kind of this mindset, and I don't know, and, and y'all can respond on this, but not too long back there was an article that came out about how there's a sudden shift in, uh, host- or towards hostility towards Christians.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was kind of like, not
0: sudden. yeah, like, like <laughs> where, what do you mean?
1: Like, I was always told I was the outsider because I was a Christian. Like, that's the way I was raised, even though I grew up in a small country town that still had... Ooh we would say Judeo-Christian conservative roots and even more so than where we live now. Um, but I still felt like an outsider. So like, as far as the political activism piece, I've always felt that that's not really Jesus' model or interest, mm-hmm. um, especially when you read his account. like you know, Every time he had the chance for political activism, he stepped away from it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, Well, in the paragraph, hang on, in the paragraph, there are two ways. How do we change the culture? How do we engage Mm -hmm. a non-Christian culture? How do we impact? How do we change it for the gospel? Do we do that with force Mm -hmm. of hand? Do we do that with what Jesus would call a way of love, commitment, Mm -hmm. and 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 spiritual weapons, not physical ones? So, I think you know, just there's two paths that Mm -hmm. that are that are kind of called out in that in that paragraph. I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say, like, okay. So what I'm hearing in that paragraph is, um, how do we change culture? Like, what? How do we? How do we get our country back? Or you know, a lot of people, um, you know, want to talk about that. You know, as Christians, we need to be involved in these things because of the deterioration of our culture and things like that. And I, I would, I would go to say, okay, what exactly are you talking about when you say the good old days or what our country used to be? Because I believe that even a more, what others would say, a more morally right culture does not necessarily mean a more Christian or saved culture. Um, We've always talked about, especially when it comes to students, that you can't just behavior modify yourself into thinking that you've got someone who saved because yeah. save a saved person the good works come from within mm-hmm. you can't modify the behavior it's got to come from the heart and I'll go back to say think back to when our country did go through a huge spiritual revival the great awakenings mm-hmm. that was within a country that was so called founded on christian principles correct mm-hmm. Wasn't the country in pretty bad shape morally to then needing a great revival, awakening to happen? And how did that happen? Did that happen because a president came into power that was a Christian? Or did that happen because faithful men of God preaching the gospel went town by town on horseback that the the nation could hear and repent and Come to Christ. Mm -hmm. So, yeah,
0: and I think I think we need to, you know, what we're trying to do is find a balance. Uh, You know, in in Titus chapter three verse one, as we've looked at the past couple of weeks, um, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. That's a political statement. That's very clearly launched at a political objective, Mm -hmm. Uh, even though it can be applied to broader topics Mm -hmm. like you know, again, bosses, parents, teachers, masters, that that kind of thing. But here's the question. The question is now in in the day that we are now in, we are now embedding moral issues into political ones.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: For instance, you know, my home state of Kentucky is voting on issues of of abortion right now, mm-hmm. you know, of legislation against, you know, in in the abortion area you have to fight that battle politically right you can't you can't extract that from the political conversation and discourse right. you have to go into that piece of it as well so it's it's an interesting dynamic you know that we're almost being forced into that as the mm-hmm. church in the culture today because of the way political issues are now kind of encasing yeah moral ones and ethical ones mm-hmm. that we do have a need to speak into. We do yeah. need to be the conscience of the the state as the church. You know, there needs to be that, that word that we speak to say, hey, that's wrong or that's right or whatever, but you cannot do that now. So I'm str- I mean I I'm struggling with how do you yeah. how do you find that balancing act between but those if, two things. If
1: we so. only approach it from all right, we have to be the moral conscience for our, for our culture which we should and we should do these things. Mm-hmm. But if we only do that then essentially we just become the law to yes, the culture. Right, and it's just right. we go Old Testament, it's all about this is right, this mm-hmm. is wrong because this is the way God made it. And it's all about rules at that mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. versus that was not necessarily Jesus objective. Jesus objective was to change us from inside out, not outside in. Mm-hmm. And so to I would say to lean into that it, it's going to be by living like Christians, by making choices like Christians, teaching our kids when they say, Mom and Dad, why do we do that? Because we're Christian, because we believe in Jesus Christ and the authority of Bible and because he's changed us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that it's that opposite of we're not trying to modify people's behavior to act like us, even though I feel like a lot of Christians would be p- totally content with that; mm-hmm. they'd be very content. Oh, yeah. like if yeah. you would just behave yeah, it looks like, a like It looks like it's okay. But that yeah, won't okay. get you yeah. into eternity, right? right yeah.
2: Right. And I, and I think again, this paragraph mentioned um, standing up for um, those that need. Help. I don't remember exactly the part of the paragraph where it was talking about how are we going to do this, not by power, but by by loving, by Mm -hmm. serving. Mm -hmm. So I do think there is a place for political discussions when it comes to caring for the weak, caring for those that cannot care for themselves. Um, I think showing Christian principles, I think, helps someone be open to hearing the gospel, but we can't think that by fighting these social battles that that in and of itself is going to lead anyone to Christ because when has anyone right. come to Christ from a heated debate? Mm-hmm. You know, people come to Christ when the love of Christ is lovingly shared with them.
0: But, but are we abnegating our authority as a church by being silent on those issues? Are we are we giving away our charge and our challenge to be salt and light and to be, you know, to go into the world and make a difference? If we're quiet, we say nothing, is that by implication saying we're okay with it? I guess that's what I and I'm just thinking out loud. I am just, you know, quiet which, about what? You know, what well about about the the, the political slash moral issues that are coming up now you know, can we afford to go? Uh, that's a different arena, and we just don't want to go there. Now, I'm, again, I'm, I'm being devil's advocate here on <laughs> some of this, okay, so hear me. But I'm just saying, are we, you know, I'm hearing both ends of the discourse now. I'm hearing the extreme end represented by, say, you know, Eric Metaxas, uh, who, is, who is saying, you know, the church needs to be deeply engaged in these issues otherwise we are surrendering our moral ground mm-hmm. in the same way that the german church did during mm-hmm. world war 2 are we doing that by being silent or are we making the opposite error and politicizing the church as we pull into these kinds of things right. because i think there's a you know there there's it's it's hard to know where to stop where do you cut right. off when I mean, you're saying well we're going to support a political agenda but we don't want to politicize. We don't yeah. want to make the church just about recruiting people for a political position mm-hmm. or recruiting for a political party. That's not who we are. But how do we speak into these issues with moral authority and not do that? That's the hard thing. Yeah. It's the hard thing that I don't think anybody really has figured yeah. out. So, I mean, I would go—so recently I was, I, I've been looking through
1: Luther's stuff, and— because I guess I'm bored, and uh, he wrote, um, <laughs> "If I you want know. to be a good like Christian cobbler,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: make good shoes." Sure, he says, "But don't put crosses on them." Right, like it's just right. do right. do what right. a Christian ought to do. Do the best. Do excellent. You know, live life like mm-hmm. you belong to Christ, and then because of that, you're going to engage with politics. You're going to engage with culture and society. Right. Right. But I think really the the biggest <sighs> problem is the first part is. We've got, we'll say, overall in America, being a Christian, you and I, we're all talking about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to mm-hmm. live like a Christian, but there are vastly different uh, opinions on sure. what that should be and sure. what those priorities are, and they're all interacting with society, saying this is the way it should be, and it's not biblical either, and so it's not it's it's not just being a political activist or, or making a statement or comment that could shift the culture. It's more about who are we in Christ? Who has He made us to be? What's the theology that undergirds our life? Mm-hmm. Living that out, then, and making decisions based on that. Yeah, yeah, and that's so. To me, it's a priority method. Is start with the kingdom, and then it, it transfers to our local politics you know,
2: what, and things. Wouldn't you say? I I think when you to answer your question, I I do think the church needs to speak out when it comes to. Uh, issues that are biblical when it comes to life and death issues, when it comes to things that are clearly spelled in Scripture. I think where the church has has hurt itself in the public view in the last decade or two is that it seems like because we stand with this political party on this particular issue, then we almost have to say, well, we agree with everything that this political party stands for and we are against everything that the other political party stands for. When it's like, no, you really just wanted to speak about this one particular topic and Mm -hmm. somehow you weren't able to speak about that biblically without going all in for yeah. this kind of race for political well and we have
0: power. to and we have to take seriously i mean just watching jesus deal with the culture of his day mm-hmm. and and i know it's very different than ours it's i mean they did not have the freedom that we have today to engage in a political discourse mm-hmm. and conversation they were in a dictatorship right and it's different you know i had again just just lunch with our friend julian you know, their world, it's a very different kind of political world and climate than we live in, mm-hmm. uh, in, in the Balkans. And it's a different kind of place. And that changes the way you can engage in the conversation as, a, as in, in a political way. But again, I think what we cannot do is we cannot say that we are authentically engaging the culture if we're ignoring the political dimension of it. Paul did not ignore it. Mm-hmm. And Jesus and, didn't either. And I mean, it wasn't was just Jesus. wasn't so just it wasn't, the Romans. It was but, the Jewish but leaders. But the way too. they did it is what we need to look at more yeah. than should we do it or not. I think the answer is yes, we should do it in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think there are unhealthy ways of doing it, and I see unhealthy ways of, of people doing that as in, in churches. And and I agree. Something you said a moment ago, and I, I want to go back to that. You know, I think there's I think there's a sense in which we we wanna judge people external. We wanna look at how people look. We want you know, I think the failure of the moral majority was that it was an external movement. It was it was it was imposed on people from outside. Now there was a comfort to some people in that. Mm-hmm. There was a there was that that conformity, that moral conformity had a comfort zone to it to some people, but it was not a healthy one. It was not it was not something that was really representing a change, a heart change in people's lives. We can enforce morality in this country, and there's a, a movement to try to go, okay, mm-hmm. how do we do that? And and that can be done. There are ways you can do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can force people to be a certain way, but you are not. You can't say, and we converted that person. No, you didn't. You, know, you forced right. them to yeah. conform to what you wanted and yeah. what you think righteousness should look like. Yeah. You haven't won the gospel hasn't won in that case, yeah. and that's what we have to be careful And, and that's about, so. what I'm, I guess I get
1: frustrated about is that I feel like, you know, it's not hard just to be walking down the hallway at the church or something. Mm-hmm. If you bring up politics, man, someone's going to go off. Oh, yeah. Oh, someone's yeah. going to get yeah. upset. Oh, but yeah. if you talk about the brokenness and the lostness of our of our mm-hmm. society and our culture mm-hmm. and how many of our neighbors are going to go to hell one day because they don't know mm-hmm. the gospel and they don't know Christ, we don't get that bent out of shape, do we? Yeah, yeah. Like people don't go off on that. Right. And so to me it's like, okay, that, that reveals a little bit of our priorities that we would rather people just conform and live the moral standard lifestyle that we want rather than be transformed because Christ has entered well, into the world. And, and even, you
0: know, in the verse we're looking verses we're looking at chapter three, verse two, I mean let's let's just let's just read that into the conversation mm-hmm. we're having right now. How do you do politics the way we have been doing politics and <laughs> speak evil of no one? Mm-hmm. Avoid quarreling. Mm -hmm. Be gentle and show perfect courtesy to all people. How do you have the kind of the way we define political discourse in our country now with those things in play? And again, as Christians, that's what we're supposed Mm -hmm. to do. So how do you do that? I mean, some would say, well, that just takes all the fun out of having the internet, you know, if you don't yeah, get to, to say, you know, if you can't be, you know, what, so I can't speak Twitter, evil, what, I can't quarrel, what? I, yeah. Yeah, 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 I mean, there's nothing, there's no business out there, yeah. so, so anyway, it, it's, it's a tough thing. Well, let's move along, I, we're not going to solve anything, but it's, I think it's important that we give this thought, just because if we want to authentically talk about how do we, as Christians, how do we really engage the culture? That means again. How do we interact with it? How do we improve it if we can? How do we bring the gospel to it? How do we how do we impact it? How do we live in it without being impacted by it in negative ways? Um, and, and, and do this in a way that honors God. That's what we're trying to deal with, and that's what Paul's dealing with in chapter three. Um, and uh, and again reminds us very quickly that hey, don't forget what you used to be. Mm-hmm. Don't forget how you used to think don't mm-hmm. forget how things used to be for you before you were a Christian uh, this kind of echoes a little bit of first Corinthians chapter 6 where he he describes all of these horrific things and lifestyle issues and and you know and everybody's going yeah yeah you know hey yeah that's boy that's that you know that's terrible stuff and then he said and such were some of you that's right you know uh, and and it was just I just thought boy I would love to have been in the room when that happened that that would have been a, a cool moment <laughs> when you just go oh yeah I guess so you know mm-hmm. so we forget that that's what we used to be but Paul you know very quickly and I think Paul never forgot what he was uh, and and he won't let us forget hey remember that's what you were he doesn't do that to bring condemnation to you he does it to say remember the grace of God uh, and then he does this great descriptive phrase in. In uh, verses four through seven, you know, when the goodness and loving and kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works we've done, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration, and renewal of the Holy Spirit, who He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who believe in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works uh, these things are excellent and profitable for people now we move into an area I didn't get into in yes, uh, on, on the message but let's talk about verse 9 for a minute mm. but avoid foolish controversies is there is there a non-foolish controversy <laughs> <laughs> Can you, can you have a non-foolish controversy? You know, he very mm-hmm. specifically calls this, this is a, this describes the controversy as foolish. It has to almost assume there's a non-foolish one. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah I mean, I, again, it goes back to your motive and what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I, yeah, I when I was a collegiate pastor, I used to have a lot of conversations about what would be considered, you know, controversial topics mm-hmm. such as, is Jesus the only way to heaven? Yeah. And I'm sitting on a college campus, discoursing with different students who, some of them getting very upset and heated, Mm -hmm. but they couldn't defend their position. And I'm just saying this is what Scripture says. And to me, it's like, yeah, because if they don't get that topic, then the
0: rest of this makes no sense. Well, but but again, I think to answer my own question, yes, there are non-foolish controversies. There are things that are controversial that we don't agree on. We just talked about one for about 10, 15 minutes here. Mm You know some things that people will not agree. It's controversial. I don't know that it's say it's it's good to say it's a foolish controversy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably a controversy with no answer. Mm-hmm. You know, and and maybe that's what defines a foolish controversy. I don't know, but uh, but I think there are certainly times that a controversy is going to happen. It's not necessarily. It sometimes it's growth. Sometimes it's just we have to talk about this, mm-hmm. and and that's necessary to do that. And there are, as we all know. There are those places in church life, in Christian life, where you just have this kind of open-ended thing that you don't have clear defining parameters for how to understand it, how to define it, how to, how to interpret it. So you have to, you know, you kind of just get in discussions that can become controversial. I don't think it's always foolish, but it can be that. And then he talks about genealogies, dissensions, And quarrels about the law. So the obvious thing to me in this is that he's dealing with a Jewish, you know, Mm -hmm. there's an insurgency of Jewish false teachers that are Mm -hmm. present. Mm -hmm. uh, and, And they're the ones that are really stirring up trouble and dissensions and controversies. And they're unprofitable. They're worthless. And as for a person who stirs up division after warning him once, then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Avoid foolish controversies. Genealogies—that was a Jewish issue. You know mm-hmm. what's your mm-hmm. what's your family background? That was a big deal. Uh, that's how you know they they would determine. You know they they weren't birthers. They were they were people who would go back and trace down your bloodline. Are you are you? Can you be the priest? Can you mm-hmm. be a chief priest? Can you be a Levitical priest? Can you be? In, in this particular kind of leadership, well, show me your genealogy. Yeah, and, and if you have the bloodline, the answer is yes, you can do that. But if you don't, there's no way. There's nothing right. that you could bring to the table that's more important than your pedigree and your bloodline. So you could debate these kinds of things. Well, I'm not sure that that person was actually a member of that line. So you could get into all of these sidebar issues and genealogies and those kind of discussions. Uh, this is not talking about checking out your background on uh, you know looking looking through your family tree you know on on uh, online that's not mm-hmm. talking about that kind of thing this is genealogies in reference to leadership so it's a different kind of you know it, it's it's not so much a genealogy as far as you know I don't like your family tree it's 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 it has to do with leadership and then dissensions you know quarrels I mean this is just fighting. This is just fighting over stuff. And, and, you know, church people sadly are sometimes very, very good at fighting over Mm -hmm. stuff that means nothing. And we can get into a lot of controversies and a lot of dissensions over Mm -hmm. things. I mean, think about the most foolish thing you've ever seen a church fight over.
1: Yeah. I mean, our modern churches, we don't necessarily fight over the genealogies piece or something like that, Mm -hmm. or the law even. Um, Although some do. Uh, It's more like traditions, Family traditions, rituals of the church, mm-hmm. you know, memories that colored you know, carpet, yeah, things that they they have. Let's throw
0: one out from Brian. Opinions. Whether there's hymnals in the pew. Oh or, man, you know, just,
1: yeah. I mean. <laughs> he's not even here to defend
0: himself. <laughs> is that is that a controversy? Or is that a dissension? I'm not sure. Quarrels about, sure. sure. about the law. quarrels about the law. And and you know, again, when it talks about the law, so often. When Paul's talking about the law, he's not so much talking about the law of Moses and the law in the Old Testament. He's talking about the law that the Jews invented to interpret the law. Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of times that's where the controversy would come in is, well, what do you mean work on Sunday on the Sabbath? Mm-hmm. So now you have to have, you know, 500 rules on how to define right. what work right. is and how to.
2: So what, why was Paul bringing all this up? Right? I yeah. I mean, this... He says don't do it, don't yeah, have but, foolish but again, controversies, well, don't. Um,
0: but obviously it's inside, it's happening, that's right. where the problem but is. But he, yeah. he,
2: isn't yeah. he confronting the fact that these things are detract distracting the church yes. from what the, the mission yes. of the church is? Absolutely. Well, that's Absolutely. why he says
1: it's unprofitable yeah, avoid them, and right. worthless. Mm-hmm. Like they're not accomplishing anything, the church isn't gaining ground against the spiritual darkness. It's just, you know, and... and you know, we can all go back to our seminary days. I can remember uh, there were there were guys, pastors in training. <laughs> all they wanted to do was sit in the student union. They were in my class. Yeah, they yeah were my and class. they just wanted to argue, like, on and on and debate different theologies I didn't mind those guys.
0: I, it was the ones that, them in the classroom that bothered me. That wanted, yeah. That, that they wanted, they wanted to they wanted oh, with to the, professor the professor or something like that. Yeah.
1: I just got—I would just get frustrated because there would be these guys sitting on a couch, and there would be other ones of us, like— Hey, we're going to go, you know, witness or something like that mm-hmm. down in this, mm-hmm. in this community. Will you go with us? And they're like, "No, we don't have time for that." And, and so, to me, it's like it's the unprofitable piece. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, when it's distracting away from what God's trying to use you to do, right? Then, well, well and
2: I've always said that that's where, where does quarrel and strife come within a church? It, it it comes when there are people within the church that are not solely focused on the mission yeah. of the church. Yeah. And uh, if we were busy being the church and, and witnessing to our community. I'm not saying all of the quarreling and all of the strife and all the gossip would go away, but a lot of it would. I mean, I think a lot of
0: it happens when we're just sitting around at church. An old, old country preacher used to say to me, a mule will either plow or kick. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that's just the way folks are. You know, we're going yeah. to plow we're going to kick, but, you know, we're kicking sometimes more than plowing. But... Uh, Anyway, those so those are things that we're to stay away from. Um, and then he gets into a real specific thing. As for a person who stirs up this division, I, I'm almost, it's it's almost to me, I almost read too much between the lines here. I'm thinking, he knows who he's talking about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, he's got a face in mind. He's he got a person does. in You know, there's there's somebody that is doing something in the church that Titus is pastoring. And as, as for this person, you know, he didn't want to name mm-hmm. the name. But as for a person who's stirring up this division, or dissension or division after warning him once and then warning him again have nothing more to do with him now that is in a sense that is church discipline mm-hmm. uh, you know and again there, there's a whole uh, there's a whole realm of issues that come up with, Church discipline and how churches deal with that right now. I, I had a situation that came up day before yesterday. I heard, I learned about of a church in our area that is that is dealing with a major church discipline issue. Um, I don't know. You know, I my first experience. You know, we we do church. I mean, we have. It is in our. It is in our document base Mm -hmm. and it's in our Bible. We do church discipline here at Fruit Cove, but I have never had to bring up somebody before the church Mm -hmm. and have them thrown out of the church. I've never had to get that far. Mm -hmm. Uh, Usually after the first visit, after the first warning, uh, after, you know, after, hey, let's get a handle on this. People usually do. They'll either get mad at me because Mm -hmm. I came and talked to them about it and leave the church, or they'll say, hey, I didn't know I was causing problems. I'll stop it. Mm. Never had to deal with never had to go to level, you know, to kind of level 3. You know, you go through level 1 is that first yeah, one on that person to person kind of conversa- you know, confrontation and conversation and then if they don't that they don't deal with that at the first warning, second warning you go in with a couple of three other people. And then if they don't hear them, then you go on to the church. Well, usually, again, usually before it ever gets, gets even to the second level, it's mm-hmm. dealt with. One of my first uh, issues of church discipline was in my church in Kentucky. And I had a gentleman who was uh, a lay preacher and a deacon in our church. He was also a construction worker and a kind of a straw boss on a construction job. Uh, heavy drinker, mm. heavy drinking, and loved his guns. Mm. And he would threaten his workers at work with a gun. He would be drinking first thing in the morning, and would threaten the guys that weren't doing the job. He would go with a gun, and they kn- and that was just his reputation. He never shot anybody that we know of, but he, th- <laughs> he you know he'd be scary enough and angry enough, uh, terrorized his family. had had uh, six seven kids abused, I know five of them because I did counseling with them. So, uh, and this guy, again, let me say it again. He was a deacon in yeah. our church. Yeah. Uh, the church had been terrified to deal with him. They didn't want to deal with him. And I realized what was going on. I thought, I don't want to deal with him, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we have to deal with this. Yeah. And so I picked my three biggest deacons. <laughs> And we went to his house uh, one evening and basically with the intention of asking him to no longer serve as a deacon, to to take him off the deacon body. So we sat down in his living room, talked to him, explained why, told him, you know, this is what we know, this is what we've heard, this is what we've seen, and uh, we don't want you to be deacon anymore in our church. So he reached behind him. He's in his he's in his uh, easy chair in the living room. He reached behind him, mm-hmm. took his certificate off the wall, and threw it at me like a I'd say a frisbee, but a frisbee has a round edge. Uh, this thing had a sharp edge. He threw it right at me. He threw it in my face. I mean, he was trying to hit me with it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and uh, and he said he said Well, we won't be back to you, church. And I said. I understand, but I said, we don't want you to serve here anymore in this deacon. So anyway, he left. Uh, Didn't see him again for about probably two months. Mm. Uh, Two months later, I performed his funeral.
1: Mm.
0: Mm. Uh, He had been out drinking late one night, fishing, went fishing illegally, got his foot hung up in a fishing net and drowned. Mm. He came back to church in two months. Now, I don't know if that's connected, if that kind of thing mm. can be directly drawn a line to say, well, that happened and then that happened, I don't know, but I'm just telling you, that's what happened in the timeline. Yeah. But it was the most terrifying thing I'd ever done to have to go and talk to this guy, you know. And and that's, you know, I know for a lot of people they just think, ah, church discipline. That's just, man, that's just rough. And and it is, you know. I think what we do as churches is we either we either we abuse it. We we sometimes will use it for personal vendettas, and that's what happened in the early Baptist church. The early Baptist church began to just use it as as a way to personally penalize people mm-hmm. they didn't like.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, they would they would throw you out of church for dancing. They would throw you out of church for uh, you know for for gossiping. They would throw you out of church for anything and everything. But they would pick and choose mm-hmm. who they threw out. Right, and there was no even. Handed distribution. You know, if we're going to do discipline, let's do it. But let's do it for everybody, right. not just the people we don't like, or not just yeah. the people we have an agenda with. So, um, so anyway, it's it's you know it's been something that's had kind of a bumpy history. I don't think you can function as a church without some level of church discipline. I think there has to be. For again, for the divisive person, for the person that just comes in determined to create problems, determined to. Stir things, determined to break fellowship. Uh, those kind of people have to be dealt with sometimes by the whole church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you can spare the whole church that, that's better. But if you can't, yeah. You know, anyway, so you, you, know you
2: said either the church abuses it, or yeah, I think what you were getting to, or just doesn't doesn't yes. really participate yeah. in it very much at all. And I think that, that's that's one of the issues I have seen within the this last, you know, decade, generations that, that more people are are interested in what the scripture has to say about yes, this topic. I think so too, yeah. yeah. Um but I, I agree with you. I think every church, if you really think about it, even churches that don't quote unquote practice church discipline, mm-hmm. In a way, they kind of do. They just have their threshold level of what it is that a person has to do. Well, I think the issue
0: is the formality. Right. You know, I think sometimes, and and especially in smaller churches that are more like family chapels and Mm kind of smallish kind of community churches, they have ways of churching people, which I always thought was an interesting word because Mm -hmm. you're actually de-churching people. But, Mm -hmm. you know, they had ways of doing that that were more social in nature. They would pressure people Mm -hmm. socially. Uh, by virtue of threatening them. And, and of course, I mean, the Jews had church discipline. They, they would sit, they would throw you out of the synagogue. Yeah, Guy in, Jew, in John 9, you know, the guy that Jesus healed, the blind man that Jesus healed, you know, got thrown out of the synagogue for being healed. Yeah. You know, so they had their own version of church discipline. But this is, again, I think an important part of maintaining integrity in the fellowship, mm-hmm. maintaining unity in the fellowship. If you don't do church discipline, then you skew toward tolerance of any and all sin. Mm -hmm. And that's not a message you want to give either. So you have to kind of go, okay, so somewhere we don't want to, you know, just kind of uh, take pot shots at the people we don't like and, you know, kind of make them suffer for, you know, for this. We also don't want to just close our eyes and go, well, we shouldn't ever... Yeah. That's not nice. We shouldn't ever do that to anybody, you know. And that's where some churches go. So. And I think I think the issue
2: is again, like you said, not that everyone's treated fairly. That yeah. there's no right. agenda right. or mm-hmm. personal vindictiveness mm-hmm. to it. And then and I think the other thing that people get confused about is they're like, so you're telling people they get kicked out of the church, they yeah. get yeah. excommunicated, yeah. they yeah. can't, can't yeah. come back. I'm like, well, that's not exactly what church discipline mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Church discipline is you can't serve as a leader, you can't right. be a member in good standing. Right, right. Very rarely does church discipline mean you're not, you're barred from entering
0: the church. Exactly. It's just we're going to treat you. Well, church discipline always has to have a redemptive mm-hmm. edge to it. I did not go to visit that deacon with the intention of throwing him out of the church. That was not what I wanted to do. Yeah. I wanted, I, but I did not want him representing the church as a leader. Yeah. And I didn't want. And our name was on that certificate that was hanging on his wall. I want that back. Yeah. I don't want that. I didn't want it thrown at my head. But I, you know, <laughs> I want that. I want that yeah. back. You know. Did, and and did you dodge it. Yeah. He didn't hit me, but he tried. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't that he didn't try. Yeah. Thankfully, I think he was drunk anyway. So, yeah. so it was. Uh, didn't he? Didn't get to me. But, you know, it's just like you know, where do you go? You know we're not okay with this. This is not who we are. This does not represent yeah. what we believe. This does not represent who we are as people, uh, and certainly not as church. And it doesn't represent Jesus well. So, yeah. I had uh, the opportunity a couple of weeks back of interviewing uh, prospective church planters for for Nam, and met a an Hispanic church planter who uh, is in Oklahoma uh, planting a church and doing a tremendous job for all intents and purposes he has a i think he has 200 plus people already coming to his church so so he's doing quite well for a guy that we haven't yet said hey it's okay for you to do this but he's you know his Mm -hmm. church is up and going but uh one of the questions i asked him i said talk to us about the most difficult leadership thing you've ever had to do young guy and uh and he's quiet for a moment then he said He said, uh, Church discipline. He said, I I had led a lady to the Lord. She started coming to the church. She loved the the Lord, loved the church. People loved her. But after a while, we found out she was having an affair. Her husband did not come to the church,
1: Hmm.
0: she was having an affair. And, um, and he said, I had to go to her and tell her, you need to end this affair or we're going to need to, to do church discipline. And she said, well, I'm not ending the affair. So he said, I had to go to her house and tell her, you know, you're no longer able to serve in this capacity and that capacity. And her husband was there when I was talking to her. He said. So they were listening. And he told her, he said, you're welcome to continue to come to the church and be in worship, but you can't serve, mm-hmm. and you can't be involved. You know. So um, she said, I understand. And the next Sunday, she came. Her husband came with her, who had never gone hmm. to the church before. He was lost. And told the pastor, he said, I'm not going to let my wife go through this by herself. So he sat with her, and for the next couple of weeks, they came, he sat in the service. Third week, he gave his heart to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the pastor said, you know, when I stood up to tell the church that we were doing this with her, he said, broke my heart. I think if doing church discipline does not break the leader's heart, Mm -hmm. You're probably doing it for the wrong reason. Yeah, that's what yeah. I think, and I think sometimes it gets done vindictively. I think it gets done, you know, partially. Uh, it gets done uh, prejudicially. You know, it's it's not just, hey, this is just the, this is the principle and this is what we're applying here, and uh, so I think we have to be careful how we do it, but certainly here. This is uh, this is Paul saying there are times that you just need to push away from mm-hmm. the person and say we don't want you to be here and we're not going to associate with you and that's yeah. what verse ten is about. So,
2: and, right. and all of the again all of this is for the sake of the gospel. Right?
0: Well, and, and more yeah. than that, yeah, yes, and, and it's for the sake of how we're engaging. You know, this is the conversation. How are we how does this help us engage the culture? Well, right. it says to the culture you know the church doesn't just tolerate anything and everything mm-hmm. you know there there yeah. are limits there are lines and that's what we have to integrate here but it, it's not it's not
2: just a paragraph on what we do as a church and how we operate as a yeah. church and yeah. how we it's yeah. it's because this is important in yeah. how we yeah. engage yeah. the culture because yeah. if we don't do this
0: we are hurting our mm-hmm. testimony right. exactly, to the right. world so yeah. but again how exactly to do it you know it is a tough thing and every church i think struggles with it to some degree but again, my, my principle would be, you know, if it's not breaking your heart to have to go do it, then you're probably not doing it for the right reason. Mm-hmm. And and I think it will always take something out of the leader mm-hmm. to do that. It's not like you just enjoy it and say, oh boy, I get to go do it. You know, I can't imagine, uh, you know, time I've had to do it. And I've had to do this dozens of times with people. I've had to go to people dozens of times to deal with issues mm-hmm. over the years. But you know, like I said, I'm thankfully never had to escalate it to a public level of you know having to. Yeah, but ask you know, if you don't, it then
1: it. Then the the issues like this they creep into the culture of the they church. Can. yeah, yeah. And then the church health as a whole, gets off mission yeah, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's never fun, but, you know, it's something that we like you said we can't not do. Right. We can't just ignore right. it. Um, I guess if I would just add a small comment is just. For many pastors, I see them focusing sometimes when it comes to church discipline on the wrong issues. Yes. They focus on things that really people just need pastoring through. Right. Then you shepherding. Yeah. You know, like the color of the carpet. And they're getting all bent out of shape because we're changing the carpet and they Mm -hmm. don't like the color. Mm -hmm. Like, that's something I feel like could be pastored through it, right, yeah. but this was you know specific. It's a divisive person. Mm-hmm. You know he's teaching false doctrines. He's trying to yeah. wreck the church. And, and there's
0: clearly, I mean, yeah. this is all in the context of false teaching and of, and yeah. of people he doesn't have are, good motives. And, and the other thing is, you know, usually all. these people are very dynamic. They probably have you know personality yeah. appeal to pull people after them mm-hmm. and and create their own you know, their own uh, backup, you know, their own their own source of crowd control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they got their own people, you yeah. know, kind of thing. So there's that going on, too, that was dividing the church and it was pulling the church apart. Yeah. But, and we're out of time, gentlemen. Let me end with the positive word that Paul ends with. Grace be with you all. How about that? Mm-hmm. We all need grace. Grace be with you all and grace be with you all. God bless you.